Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday afternoon, I guess, one o'clock or so, and uh, I'm going to be doing one extra one this week, because uh, I promised, and uh, we'll do two above. And then after, tonight or tomorrow, I hope to get around to the tefillah, uh, which maybe we'll connect also, I don't know. Uh, today's uh, podcast, uh, special one, is being sponsored by uh, the Shukman, Zaytan Ariel Shukman, not our and to publicize this Sunday, making Achnos the Sefer Torah that was written and uh, sponsored for in memory of their father, who was a the leading member of my show, a good friend, Jake Shochlin Ovashom, Yaakov Gutman ben uh, Yeshua, Yaakov Gutman Yeshua Shochman, I should say. So this will be held in my show, which is called Beth Abraham Congregation, Hertzberg's. Uh, the time is going to be Sunday, uh, starting at 3, the fun starts at 3. The uh, for those of you in the Baltimore area, please come. You're more than welcome. And um, the writing of the last letters will be at the home of Aiton and Ariella. They got his big house out in Nowheresville. It's six seven zero eight Broadview Road. It's not far from where Base Yaakov is located. For those of you who are in the know, so again, it's six seven zero eight, and uh, you come at three. Um, and they'll have all kind of stuff there. And then at 5, the plan is at 5 o'clock, we're going to transport that Torah to a house a few doors away from my shul, uh, the home of Menashe Shabtai, Menashe Nami Shabtai. We'll do the last letter there, and then we'll dance the Torah in at that time. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, it'll be a every Torah, like you see, you know, fun and games and so forth, and food. Um, so, um, I'm the rabbit of the show. I'm very happy to announce it. And they're, they're very nice and they're sponsoring today's talk um, to bring attention to this uh, big simcha. It's very nice. I mean, I can just tell you, we started the project of writing a tow for Jake and it was filled with one duty. Everybody wanted to participate. He was that type of a person. Now, today, so I'll say a few words about Tubov because Sunday's Tubov. As I mentioned, it happens to be my anniversary was this Sunday, Tuba of, and July 25. Isn't that funny? So I guess it's the same day every 19 years, isn't that what they say? So I must be in some multiple of 19 years. Anyway, um, there's a fam- as we know, Tuba of is the, is the post Tisha B'Av, it's a happy day. That's when the boys and girls dancing in Shalim. People are generally familiar with that. And, um, there's several famous events associated with Tubov. If you collect them around, uh, it's the day Yom Shohutu Shvatim when after the Menos Slavchud business, they finally allowed people to marry from one tribe to the other. Yom Shohutu Sheh Ben Yaman. In other words, that's when they uh, stopped uh, killing off the Sheh Ben Yaman in the Pelegish Vegiva War, that terrible war. Yom Shohutu Kalbim Midbar, 
That's when they stopped dying in the desert, they say. Here's one that's not so well known. Yom and the Berlin Wall, whatever the expression is, the part of Sias, that uh, when Yerom and Nebuch split away the kingdom of the north from the kingdom of Israel and founded, as we know, the system of two kingdoms. I repeat, the system of two kingdoms, one in the north, one in the south. So one of the things he did was to set up a Berlin Wall or some set of barriers blocking uh, the ability of people in the north to go to the south because he was afraid they would go Shalshagon and Migdash. They might rekindle their loyalty to the House of David and whatever. So he had a very tragic situation where a Jewish government <coughs> prevented Rove Minion, Rove Binion, and Yisrael from going Shalshagon, going to Beis Migdash ever, which means he, he, he killed the Beis Migdash idea from Rove of Yisrael. And in order to make up for that, he had to invent an idolatry religion, the Golden Calf. So um, there were 20 kings of the north. The last one of Sheba took down the wall. It didn't help much, because they were pretty far gone by then, but he took down the wall and he said, if you want to go south, you can go. So for some reason or another, that was Chamisha above, and that's one of the happy occasions, if you want to call it that. I mean, it's a it's a tiny bright spot in a very sad story, because not long after that, Ashur came to wipe out the north. But at least he took it down. And then, um, that's when the Betar, you know, the Romans killed all the bodies and won't let anybody be buried, as we all know. The story. In fact, we just did the Medrashen Mashol on Tishabov, Mashanecha, which said that Hadrian or some Roman guy, they never go by the exact names, built like a wall of corpses somewhere in the Galil. And, uh, they, they, and they were there, either not rotting or rotting, whatever the story was, Lomasriach. And they weren't allowed to be buried until a later emperor. Possibly Antoninus Pius, possibly Marcus Aurelius, I don't know. Um, or some Roman governor, sometimes the emperor, I mean the governor. And they gave permission to bury. You know what important business it is in Jewish religion to bury somebody properly. Israel gave up a bunch of terrorists a couple years ago to allow the return of a body to a body should have a, a, a funeral. There it is. Those they gave, Israel surrendered live people and they got back dead people. And I think I told you at the time I was horrified, but I saw that it was a good move. The Arabs, fig- the Arabs figured it would demoralize the Israelis, which is what it's all about. Uh, because ha ha ha, we gave up a, a dead person, you got back a live person. But the Israelis took great uh, satisfaction in bringing the bodies to, to proper burial. So it didn't hurt the Israeli morale. It's always very interesting to me. Um, now, when I'm thinking of this, I just was walking, talking with a friend. He brought up something and reminded me. There's a very famous uh, Chazal, very appropriate to this week, uh, which I know you've heard. It's really a Tosefta at the end of Sota. And I'll read the whole thing because, you know, I don't think anybody hears it in a single, uh, uh, um, unbroken way. Is it Joseph at the end of Sota? Tulsa Gemara Babasra. I'm Rabbi Shemal ben Elisha. That's interesting. Rabbi Shemal ben Elisha is supposed to be one of those who were killed, but okay, whatever. Miyam Shachar Beis Amigdash. Ever since the temple was destroyed, Dinu Shenigzer Al Tzmenu. Maybe he's referring by speech. I don't know. Dinu Shenigzer Al Tzmenu Shal Lecher Basal Elish Tosyan. We should really make a thing that should be like the nine days all year long, no wine and no meat. It should be like the nine years all nine days all year long. 
But it's too hard. It's too hard to impose on Jewish community. They can't handle it. Who are you, Omer? Now, he wanted to say that by rights, you should do that. So when he was saying, what he means, as I understand it, is Hasidim, and I mean Hasidim in the old sense, of course, will indeed refrain from Basaviyayim. And there are famous Hasidim throughout Jewish history who didn't eat Basaviyayim except on Shabbos Yantar, the well-known minho. Um I'm not talking kashos-wise. That's a different reason for many. There are those who refrain from eating Basar and for that reason, but not Yayin. This is talking about refraining from doing it out of a sense of Korban. You're not telling somebody else what to do. The essence of Hasidus is you mind your own business, you have your own Korban, you don't tell somebody else. But by yourself, for yourself, they took on such things. These are the type of ancestors we had who fasted for three weeks, like I mentioned the other day. It's in the Shulchan Aruch. There's a minute to fast. Fast, baby. For three weeks, like Ramadan. So that's the type of person the rest of the So if you feel the Corbin like that, then I'm not surprised the rest of the year, except for Shabbos, you don't need flesh. Okay. Who are you, Omer? And Shema Lisha also said, Since we're Iker the Torah, Shalom Likonis Lushua Saban, and we don't, Shabban, we don't do, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Shab, uh, not Shab Brachas, um, Shalom Zachars. So he was making the case that in certain Roman times there were persecutions of the religion and you oka Torah in the Sino. The Romans for a while suppressed Torah study. That's why they killed some of these teachers. We all know the story of Hanani bin Trajan who was burned because he taught Torah publicly. So since we can't do that and the Romans also prohibited Shalom Zacharis and Brises and things like that so maybe we shouldn't get married and have children. And that will solve the Jewish problem. To be number Jews. You know, Hitler at one point in this thing had a had a had a policy maybe like this. Don't kill six million, sterilize them. Same idea. So Rishma was told, don't tell everybody. This is strange, the uh don't tell everybody not to get married and all the rest of it. Mutashu shogun al-mizin, let me shogun. I can't believe they actually meant that. The Jewish people should get wiped out, whatever. You could learn a lot of ways in that. You could learn that will still stimulate God to intervene. A lot of ways of learning that. Anyway, Mishachar by Sa'achran is all one long Tosefta. Mishachar by Sa'achran, when the second temple was destroyed, Rabba Prushan Bisrael. A lot of Prushan. Now, I said before Hasidim. Technically, from a very technical aspect, use the word chassidim is not the right word to use. It's prushim. Chassid means you go lift the mishur sedin in mitzvah and prushim means you go lift the mishur sedin in losase or abstaining. And so there are many chassid prushim who said the destruction of the temple is so bad. Shalechel baser belisa belisa So you shouldn't eat. Meat or wine, and maybe the gears are not great over here. I'm using an old uh, Tosefta, you know, I'm sure there are better ones. Uh, but you can't drink wine. Nephilim Yeshua. So the famous Rabbi Yeshua went to them. Why no, no wine, no, no meat? 
How can we drink, how can we eat meat when we think about the carbonus that are bottled? How can we ever drink wine? We think of the Nisre Ayayin, the Nesachim, and Beis Amisha is gone. How can we drink wine? Armelahem, so Yeshua said to them, Lechem no nocha, then don't eat bread. Chagabotl menachas, it's there, Lechem lecha upon him. Hey, what about the fact you had bread in Beis Amisha, now it's bottled? Mayim lo nishta, Shemir nachsim mayim bechal. Hey, what about the Nisra Mayim? They had on Sukkot. Don't drink water. Tainavan Novim lo nocha, don't have fruit. Tainavan Novim, Shekbar Botl menachas ratzeres. Right? So, uh, and that's when they would start to eat the stuff in the base of Shasko, they had no reply. You know, Yeshua is always portrayed as the great debater. Remember when he died, he says, oh, tell me the Chacham like me you'll have, but a debater, because they say, who will debate for us with the guy? He apparently was very good at that. And so Shasko, he busted down. Armelham Bonai, Bonbon let me explain the, the right way. And he gave him the, the policy that we do today. E-Efshar, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you can't have too much of it. You can't mourn too much. You can't mourn zero. So instead, what you do is 50-50. You leave a space in your house, you know, on the wall, like the Shulchan says, that you don't um, put the plaster, so you live a regular life, you live in a house, and you make a, a memorial. Right? Or you make a wedding, you leave something on the menu. We all read about this in All for the Boss, remember? And a woman leaves out one piece of jewelry. So that's the famous Rabbi Yeshua. So the guy was asking me, why talk, why Rabbi Yeshua, and what Rabbi Yeshua mean? And that stimulated me thinking, I said, this is something I could talk about in podcast. She was a very interesting person, in many levels. The time Shema Chananiah. As soon as I saw this, what was he arguing against? Extremism. In his case, extremism is an avalus. Precious. Extremism in Avelis. Now, mind you, it doesn't say that there were people who were saying we want to be geyser on all cholesterol not to eat meat. We don't want to eat meat. We want to be Prussian. Which in the first half of this after was talking about Shmuel Elisha. That's, that's not the discourse. There he said, you can't impose this on cholesterol. So as Mashmah, if you want to do it yourself, fine. But here in the second half of the stuff that I just read you, it doesn't say what Yeshua said to the people. You can do it, but don't tell Kalisra what to do. He was speaking to them himself. He's saying, I'm talking to you frummies who want to be the Prussian. Don't take up the idea of never eating meat. Right? But instead, do the middle of the road. And that's interesting. Why is he not telling them what to do? Or I said it wrong. Why is he not leaving them to do what they want to do? Just don't push it on someone else. As I understand it, Rishu is famous. As soon as I asked the question, it made me think of something. For being opposed to extremism. 
I'm thinking that famous Gemara, I forget where it is. When it said the Jews all got into a valley and wanted to declare war on the Romans. This is somewhere around the Bar Kokhba time, a little bit earlier perhaps. So Basimigish was already destroyed. The Romans weren't rebuilding it. Jews were plenty angry. Some hotheads got together and said, let's make a war in Rome. Maybe, I don't remember the exact, maybe they were going to Oster Brismil or something like that. I don't remember the exact case. It's in the Gemara, maybe in, in Tynus, wherever. And you'll, you'll know where it is. And um, and they were heating the guys up. Because when you have these uh, speakers that have these violent language, you know, let's kill the Romans, like take these mumsers down, so on and so forth. I'm sure God will protect us. Blah, blah, blah. So the crowd was going to make a war in Rome. And then he said, let's bring in Rabbi Yeshua. And he said, hold your horses. And Yeshua proceeds to tell them the Aesop fable. You see, the rabbis knew some of the Greek writings. In the Aesop fable, which is a lot older than the Gemara, the Aesop's fable had the famous story of the stork and the lion, where the lion said, I have a bone in my throat, and there'll be a big reward for whoever pulls the bone in my throat. And the stork, with its long beak, sticks its head into the lion's mouth to pull out the bone, and he does. And then he says to the lion, what's my reward? And the lion says, your reward is that you can tell everybody you stuck your head in the mouth of the lion and you survived it. <laughs> you survived it. What does that mean? And again, that's the Aesop fable. Right? So, what does Aesop mean? I don't know, you know. When you escape dangerous situations, be grateful for it. What does Yeshua mean? Right? You know, I'll tell you something funny. I never had patience when I was a kid to read the Aesop's fables. But I'm a little bit nuts. And many years ago, at least 30 years ago, more, I was once in Israel at um, the Hebrew bookshop, one place I used to go. Kadamon, I think they call it. And it, you're going to laugh at me. They had Aesop's fables with, in Hebrew, translate Hebrew, with the kudos. <laughs> I said, That's so cool. And that's how I read these fables long ago. It's a good translation, too. What, we, what do Yeshua mean? We're lucky we're in the Roman Empire not being wiped out. If the Romans feel like it, they could do a Hitler on us. Any minute. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. If that's the way the Romans want to go, they'll just kill everybody. So you have to realize that what you consider an intolerable situation, and psychologically was intolerable, to have the Romans ruling Israel, the base image destroyed, city of Yushalayim flattened, the terrible taxes, the Roman persecutions, maybe they were prohibiting Yiddishkeit. It's terrible. It's intolerable. No, don't say intolerable. Right? It's tolerable. It's a bummer. You pray and you lobby to improve the situation. It's tolerable. Now, to you and I today, when we read that Gemara, we nod our heads because... We lived through Hitler. We're past Hitler. And we see could be what intolerable means. Intolerable means I'm just going to kill every man, woman, and child Jewish. No Chachmas, no Terutzim, just going to kill everybody. Kill him this way, kill him that way, but by the time it's over, you've exterminated him. That's intolerable. Anything less than Hitler is tolerable. That's what Rabbi Shulman meant. Okay? And of course he was right. 
and all those words were wrong. It's easy for me to say, but history is hindsight. The Jews never should have rebelled against the Romans the first time in the word that led to the destruction based on Mish, because they didn't have a chance. The Jews should not have rebelled in Barcoco's time. They didn't have a chance. That's arguable, you know. And I knew Rabbi Kiva held his Mashiach and so forth, but it turns out that he was wrong. Rabbi Kiva was wrong. I'll say it again. Rabbi Kiva was wrong. And the elders told him you're wrong. Who was that? Uh, Yochum and Torsa or something like that? said, Akiva, grass will grow in your cheeks before the Mashiach comes. You are betting on the wrong horse. You're taking a chance. You personally are convinced this by Kokwa guy is a real thing. You're risking the lives of everybody. How can you do this? Out of character. You don't risk somebody else's life. And indeed, unfortunately, Rabbi Kiva was wrong and it wasn't the Mashiach. Now, you could get out of it by saying the words. I know the stories, but Lamaisa. And what was the point? They wiped out Beitar. And if you know history, they wiped out all central Eretz Yisrael. The only Jews were left in the Galilee. And we were much, much weaker as a nation following the Bakoko destruction. And the Romans doubled down. And the Jews weren't allowed into, into Jerusalem when they rebuilt it for 500 years. So there was a Jerusalem. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. It was a fancy, schmancy city by the standards of that time. But it's a pagan city. This is the Cardo you see, you know, when you go in the old city, the Cardo from the Eastern Roman times. Uh, it was Christian, no Jews. Now, the point of all this is, Rabbi Shua ben Hananiah didn't feel like Rabbi Kiva. He said, you don't take a chance. You have no choice but to turn the other cheek. Get it? As bad as the situation is, don't fight against them. They're not going to win. If you could win, maybe. Now, to some people, and I'm sure the people listening right now, they said, well, that's a wimpy uh, way out. Not exactly. It's a calculation of uh, risk. Like I say, if you're talking about Hitler, if you have hindsight, which nobody had at that time, Hitler's out to kill everybody. They had the Warsaw Uprising in 43. They might as well have had in 41. You know, it didn't make a difference. They were going to kill everybody anyway. So it was like that. They don't to talk about. But other occasions were not like that. And it's better to turn the other cheek and survive. And that turned out to be the Jewish way. But, you know, willy-nilly. I remember really, many years ago, I gave um, a series in my show. It might be up on the YouTube channel or not. It was called From Hanukkah to Tishabov. When I went through the history of that team, by Shane, let's call it that way. And I remember saying, Jews made a mistake fighting against the Romans and all the rest of it. And there was a guy, eh, not a neighbor, somebody lived around the corner, not from. He came over to me. He really was not from. And he said, well, it's a good thing they didn't have you at Valley Forge. All right, you talk like an idiot. I mean, I said, fine. He's an idiot. You know what I'm saying? The, um, you can compare the two. The result was Corbin, um, to which we haven't recovered. And Rishua was very sensitive to this. And that's why he talked to everybody out. And he said, listen, as bad as it is among the Romans, we're stuck. We're like the stork inside the lion's mouth. We're lucky we're alive. Every day that they don't kill us is a plus. Now, what he really meant was, one day, we will out-survive the Romans. And eventually, not in his time, the Jews continued to survive. The Roman Empire went down the tubes. 
the Western Roman Empire went down in the 5th century, and the Eastern Roman Empire went in the 15th century, but they all went down, as we know. So that's a certain mahalach. Now, as you know, it can be very controversial in modern times, because when the state of Israel started, people said, don't take a chance, it might get killed. I hear where that's coming from, and the Sam Reb and others, you know, make a whole deal out of that, they did. Uh, the shouldn't fight the Goyim and so forth, and I, I do get that. Um, on the other hand, the calculation of risk was the part. Right? Here, the calculation of risk was he could pull it off, which they did, obviously. Now, looking back 70 years from uh, 1948, they pulled it off. You could disagree with me and say, you know, they're, they're outnumbered and so forth and so on. I get that. Um, but meanwhile, they pulled it off. Uh, so it's very interesting because this is all Chachmishas above. Yeah, this is the aftermath of Tisha above. You see, the aftermath of Tisha above. Now, how come Yeshua Mechanani was like that? It's very interesting to me. All we know about Yeshua, at least all I can think of, is Asher Yolatato. The famous description of Yeshua is his mother rocked the cradle of the base madrash. You know, he was super from. He was literally raised in a base madrash. So he didn't have to prove nothing to nobody. <laughs> Get it? All these people say, oh, you can't have Judaism unless we rebel against Rome and set up a Jewish state and do this, that, and the other. And the other rabbis are afraid, probably, of trying to go against that because they'll be called, you know, names or cowards, or I don't know what it was. I mean, it's impossible to get at what the political Matthias was at that time. Although the Dorazur tries to. Uh, it's a guess. But if somebody who had no issues, it's Ashri Lazarus, Yushim because he was as Jewish as they come. And if anybody was suffused, it's actually with the Torah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And he came up with this idea. Right? So therefore, I think, he was on the watch, the lookout, for any kind of extremist behavior. The Tzav HaShov, in the aftermath of a Chorba, in the aftermath of the Tisha was normal. You try to live a life as normal as you possibly can be. You try to make a Judaism as normal as it can possibly be. As he said, L'sabel Yosem Edai Yevshar. Lo L'sabel B'chal Yevshar. You don't go for the extremes. To go around all day long morning, or or to do like some people did and say, "Well, I'm not gorgeous to Holocaust." It didn't happen. I told you, I knew a guy. His mother died. Not from. He said, "I don't deal with this. I'm going to the movies tonight." You know, he was an escapist. Some people say, "I don't deal with that." A nation that has that attitude. It's no good. That's why a lot of people, when it comes to Tishvab now, we see a certain escapism. Because all day long, you know, you have all these speakers and things like that. Not about Tishwa, really. But the public, especially a large part of the public, is in an escapist mood. Say, they rather hear a good story. Look, I'm all in favor. Tell them a from story, you know, about the Ben Haver or something like that. That's okay. But it's not what Tishwa is about. Tishwa is about a veilers. But the day after Tishwa, or more accurately, two days after Tishwa, you got to get past the veilers, but not totally past the veilers. Right? If someone loses a loved one, parent, whatever, you don't get bogged down by it, but you don't let it, you know, go out the window uh, totally forgotten. And so he was worried when he saw people going the precious end. They're not going to have any wine or, or things like that or, or meat ever, ever. 
I think because he was so normal, he knew the human psychology. And the human psychology is when you push too much extreme, either you or your children or grandchildren flip and go the other direction. You can't handle all the extreme behavior. You know what I'm saying? Imagine that first generation of Prussian. They sincerely said, no more meat and wine. I get it. They saw the base of Migdash. It's burning in their memory. They remember the Menachas and the Nesachim and all the rest of it. And so let's say that they had the gumption to keep up with this minhag and not eat meat or wine. Their children will never have the same relationship with the base of Migdash. Certainly their grandchildren. That's a fact. It's like my kids talking about the Holocaust or my grandchildren. You know, it's not going to be like my generation. I can't fool myself. That's how it goes. The farther away you go, the less it is. But you're still keeping up to no meat and wine? He was afraid of that. They didn't want to bounce back. Because the Judaism can't survive with bouncing back and forth from one extreme to the other. That's the condition of our times. That's why the Jewish people, the Jewish situation is such a mess. You have people bouncing all the way extreme to the right, countered by many people going all the way to the left. You have people, you know, there's, there's you know, no chumr is enough. And you have people now who have abandoned Judaism and they're, you know, not only against Israel, against Jews, I mean, off the wall. Instead, you need the middle. No people, no enterprise survives except in the middle. Because that's the only thing that has the stability. The extremists always make fun, and they say only horses walk in the middle. I know that expression, but that's just a mistake, right? If you're talking about long-term survival, then you have to think along the lines of uh, all the events associated with Hamisha Subav are like trying to restore their normalcy. When they had built a Berlin Wall, it took down the wall; it can travel normal. When they said the tribes live next to each other, but can't marry each other, they took that down, and they can live normal. You know, things like that. Uh, so, it's a celebration of normalcy. Um, and, I'll just say, without getting too homiletical, we're having a Sefer Torah, not Sefer Torah, Jake Shuklin, he's a normal guy. Get it? Up the middle. Normal guy. Just be from, don't drive nobody crazy, and then it'll stay with the kids. <laughs> we see very often nowadays, especially Valchubas. The parents decided they wanted to become from. And sometimes the parents may dis- have decided they wanted to flip and become from, from, from. And the kids don't want it. The kids don't want it. That's not what they signed up for. Or the grandchildren or something like that. So it's a very, very interesting issue. And I leave you to discuss this, this Shabbos, among your family and friends, whether any of this applies in your situation. We see examples of it. I think we do. And with that, I bid everybody a good week. And uh, if I see you on Sunday, come and identify yourselves. And if not, I wish you a, a good weekend. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.